turn to number 15, if you would. Number 15. Blue. Blue. <clears throat> Oh. 
Brother Gary, if you would, open us in prayer, please. Amen. Please do be seated. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Glad you all are here. Uh, do have folks out and traveling and, and other things, and so please do uh, just look around and lift them up in prayer if you would. And um, um, I do have an announcement. Is We'll be, we'll be having a fellowship Sunday on the, uh, the 29th. What day is today? I've lost track. Today's the 29th. It's the 29th. We'll be having uh, a fellowship Sunday. And I kind of wanted to have a chili cook-off. So if you want to, uh, let me encourage you. We'll make some hot and some medium and some mild chili. How many mild chilies do we have in here? There we go. So somebody make mild chili. <laughs> um, and uh, so anyhow, we'd love uh, to have a good time of fellowship on the 29th. So please do be here for that. And then I haven't set a date yet because I'm still working it out, but I got a, a, a local preacher. I just wanted to come and preach to us on a Sunday in November. And uh, so be in prayer about that. I'm kind of excited about uh, just uh, having somebody come in. We're not going to have a revival this uh, fall, but I wanted to have another preacher come in and just preach to us for a day just uh, to be a blessing and encouragement to us. And then I've invited in February, I've invited uh, a man named Jeremy Taylor. And I don't know that anybody, does anybody know him? I don't know if anybody's going to know him. I think you're going to like him, though, and so I'm excited to have him come. He'll be coming in February, and so please do be in prayer about that. All right, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offering from him. We'll come to receive those. And Jim, why don't you ask the Lord's blessing, please? Heavenly Father, just so thankful to meet here, to sing his praises to you, and to think about the truth, even the, even the songs that we just sung. And what we do, uh, thank you the... Uh, Different prayer requests. We pray, Lord, to answer each and every one of those. And we pray, Lord, for the uh, the service to come. And we do pray for His offering that You just bless the gift from the giver and allow every dollar to be used for for Your glory and Your honor. Mm. Amen. Number 178, 178. <laughs> 
page is over Exodus this morning, book of Exodus, and we're going to begin looking at the final plague, the last plague. If you will, um, this all started out with a command from God saying, let my people go, and then Pharaoh responded with, who is the Lord that I should obey him, and then the contest began. God said, well, let me introduce myself. And he took and he showed that he was more powerful than, if you will, the magicians of Egypt. Uh, any uh, uh, early, easy sign that God gave, early on, the, the magicians were able to duplicate. Uh, God always one-upped them, but, uh, if you will, uh, they were able to kind of duplicate it. And then as the plagues began to go, he began to increase uh, their intensity to increase their destructive power, because you got to remember, he's trying to get Pharaoh's attention to answer that question, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And he says this, I can do this, and I can do this, I can do this. 
And uh, the thing about God is he was even introduced to the children of Israel as the great I am. Tell them who I say sent me. Tell them I am sent you. And I am the self-existent God. I am the creator of the universe. I am the one that gave you life and you will be held accountable to me. And that is, a, if you will, a message that all the world needs to understand. All the world needs to know this. And uh, every human being needs to know this, that there is a God in heaven. He, does, he did give us life and he can hold us accountable for those lives. Amen. And so that is what has been taking place. And slowly, he, he just made them more destructive. And he's gotten to the point where he has killed off the cattle of the field, and then some of them. And then he, any that were left in the field, he killed all of them. Any that didn't get taken, put in the barn or the house, uh, were destroyed because of hail. He has taken and he has slowly but surely killed, if you will, the barley harvest, but now he has taken with the grasshoppers, and they've come, and they've eaten everything. They've, there is no food to be had in Egypt going forward. And so, if you will, uh, he comes to this final plague. And if you, if you read the chapter before, in chapter uh, 10, he took and he, uh, 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 he, he basically said this. He said, you'll see my face no more. And of course, if you will, uh, Moses said, you won't see my face anymore. And the reason for that is this, is he didn't explain it, but he could have. He said, you're going to be dead. You're going to be dead. When you won't take and acknowledge, if you will, who God is. We, we look at this, and it'll be one of our points in the message, but every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And, and if you want, that God is Lord and that God has every right to our lives and, and that, if you will, we have offended him. And, and, and if you will, that he's only made one way back, and you've got to take that one way. And so, if you will, he, he continues the intensity, he continues the intensity, he continues the intensity. And by the way, any of y'all paying attention to what's going on in the world today? Folks, he is slowly but surely, just in every venue of life, he, is, he has shown himself to be God and his judgments against sin and the, and the completeness of his prophecies and the truth of his word. And, and, and to be honest with you, the days are getting worse and worse and worse. The Bible says, as in the days of Noah, if you will. And by the way, if you study a little bit more, as in the days of Moses, I believe Moses is going to be one of those last day prophets, if you will. And, uh, and so God is just continually turning up the intensity and the heat. Why? Because people are getting harder and harder to impact. And when God says that he's not willing that any should perish, he means it. And he means this. He says, listen, I will do everything that it takes to get your attention so that you'll call upon me before it's eternally too late. And it's not an act of judgment. It's not an act of meanness. It's an act of love. I will give you the best illustration is this, is, is the Bible tells us that if you do not discipline your children, you hate your children. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says that if you do not discipline your children, you hate your children. And so the Bible says he chastens everyone that he loves. Meaning this, that he will do all that he can to get your attention. And I don't know about you, but when you spank your child, you're trying to get their attention. You all understand that? And so now we've come, if you will, to the last attention getter. And we'll talk about that. But let's read the text here. In, in Exodus chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward he will let you go that hence. 
when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Meaning he, he's not just going to let you go, he's going to throw you out, okay? And speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Notice this, he's impressed everybody but Pharaoh. Y'all see that? That's what it says. And the Bible says, And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. By the way, folks, get a hold of this. He's telling this to Pharaoh. This is, this is who he's talking to right now. The Bible says, From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the, uh, of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beast. Folks, get a hold of this. He just looked at Pharaoh and said, Your firstborn son's going to die. I don't know about you, I think I'd have raised my hand and fallen on the floor right there. Amen. The Bible says in verse 6, it says, And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. I, all I can see on that is that they, they're not going to bark. <laughs> Dogs aren't even going to bark when Egypt leaves, Israel leaves. Against man or any beast, that ye may know how the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, and saying, Get thee out unto all that, that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from the Pharaoh in great anger. Why? Well, please take this the right way. You might say, Well, he's, he's finally had enough. He's mad that Pharaoh never listened. How many of y'all, when you've witnessed to somebody, you've loved them, you've taken the chance to, to witness to them, you've, you've maybe even endangered a friendship or a relationship saying, listen, you must be born again, and they will not, will not, will not. Does that make you mad? It doesn't make you mad at God. It makes you mad at them. Why, why aren't you listening? Amen. The Bible says in verse 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, he will not listen unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Father, we do love you. We thank you now for the privilege, not just to sing your praises, but to open your word. Father, we pray that you put aside the cares of this world for time. Speak to us, Lord. Uh, help us to understand by your spirit. And Father, if there's one here that doesn't know they're going to heaven when they die, Father, I pray that they'd listen to that one final call. Father, I pray that they would respond and that today might be a day of salvation. Father, we love you. We just pray that you would receive all the glory here today. We ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I am talking about the final plague here tonight, this morning, if you will. And... Uh, you know, in any great story, all the plot development, all the foreshadowing, today they call them Easter eggs, all the Easter eggs, shall find their full meaning in the final act of the scene. And what I mean by that is, is so far we've been playing out a drama, if you will, that, that God laid out from the beginning, here's what I'm going to do, and then of course he did it. 
But we know this, that in a sense, there's even a bigger drama going on because it started in the book of Genesis. It's going to end in the book of Revelation. And God has laid out, if you will, some storylines. One of the things that I, I like to, to say is a lot of times he takes and he, he puts out kind of like an outline and then he gives us an annotated outline and then he writes the script, if you will, and then they, they have the story. And, and God has been laying this account out for, for time so that people would understand the meaning. You know, a lot of times you take a, you look at a, a song or a, or a book or even a movie or something like that, you're like, what in the world did that mean? God's trying to make the meaning clear. He's trying to make it so people can understand. You know, we with this account, this is exactly, like I said, what God is doing here. Having said that, in many ways, this is just a type of the day that all men will face when they come to the end of their life and their final judgment. Meaning what? This, this story that we're coming to today is almost like the, the final day, the judgment day. And I will promise you this, every person here is going to have a final day where they stand before the Lord. For believers, it's before a place called the judgment seat of Christ that takes place, uh, if you will, uh, I believe before uh, the end of the, the uh, tribulation, if you will. And, and then, uh, uh, if you will, the great white throne judgment that takes place at the end of time for all unbelievers. And so, if you will, we see here that, uh, that we need to take and we need to relate with that. When what? Well, look at verse 1 again. And here, here's what's going to happen to all men, and here's what happened here. When every knee shall bow. Look what the Bible says in verse 1 again. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward he will let you go hence. When he shall uh, let you go, he shall surely thrust you out altogether. You know what that means? He literally, Pharaoh is finally going to have to take and bend the knee and say, Let his people go. Why? Because that's what God accounted demanded from the beginning. And that bending of the knee, if you will, is an act of homage or honor, whereby you take and you acknowledge the greater. Uh, please take this the right way. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, verse 1 says, you're going to let my people go. And by the way, you know the, the two chapters from now, he's going to take and give the command, get him out of here! He's going to give the command to let him go. Just like God said. He's essentially going to bow the knee. You know, this is... Think about this. This is when the stiff-necked, unconverted man finally has to come to terms with the inevitable. Meaning what? There is a God in heaven, and I have to give an answer to him. I want you to turn with me. You're familiar with Romans chapter 14. Um, we'll go there real fast. You know this one. But Romans chapter 14 Look at verse uh, 11. The Bible says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And by the way, confess means to agree with. Okay? You're going to agree with what God says all right, about me, about him. And in verse 12, notice what it says here. It says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. How many people are going to do it? Every one of us. Every one of us. I got to tell you, that. be honest with you, just sitting there thinking about that, that, that one verse would be a good verse just to do a whole sermon on. Amen? Every one of us. What does that mean? You know what I think it means? I'm going to boil it down for you, save you some time. I think it means every one of us. Every one of us. I, I'm just telling you, uh, you can be as stiff-necked and you can say, God's not going to change my mind all you want. 
But someday you're going to acknowledge he's God. You're going to acknowledge he's God. Go, if you will, I want you to see where this comes from because it, it, it delineates it a little bit even better. Go to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45, I want you to look at verse 22. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Here's an invitation here. He says, and, and he says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And by the way, if you will, be saved means to be rescued or delivered from my wrath of judgment. And I, I was uh, been studying here lately. And uh, I want you to think about this. God's not angry with you. Now, the Bible does say he's angry with sinners every day, all right? But it's because of this, it's because he wants them to go to heaven, and they are so stubborn they refuse to go. Now, would that make you angry? Especially if you held a birthday party and nobody wanted to come to it? It'd make you angry. Because all the presents you bought and all the things that you did to work and to make it right, to make it good. And, and so, if you will, the Bible says here again, uh, verse 22, uh, the Bible says, Look unto me and be ye saved, be rescued, be delivered. Uh, from what? Well, from losing your sons. For me having to send this last judgment. For me having to utterly destroy your world. Amen. Look to me and be saved. Amen. He says in verse 23, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. He says, I've told you this is going to happen. I've told you and I'm not going to take it back. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Amen. What? That you are God. You know, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Folks, there's coming a day where he's going to say, you're the Lord. You're the Lord. Amen. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength, even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him, say it with me, shall be ashamed. I preached on this the other day about shame and confusion being the same thing, and, and, and people just being confused. How did that not work out? And God said, I told you it wasn't going to work out. You're going to be ashamed at the last day if you do not come to me. And can I say this? If you do not come to me my way. I will promise you a lot of people want to come to God, but they want to come their own way. And Jesus Christ said this. I am the way, the truth, the life. Say it with me. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to come to the Father, you come by me. No, I'd rather do works. I'd rather do baptism. I'd rather do church attendance. I'd rather be a good person. Well, you'd rather do all that, but you can't climb over the wall. You've got to go through the gate. You've got to go through Jesus Christ. Amen. And people will have to confess that someday. We see at this point, he had to let him go. When you think about Pharaoh, at this point, he had to let him go or his own people would have turned on him. Listen, they're saying, don't you know Egypt is destroyed? Let them go. Let them go. Everybody's crying out saying it. And he says, I will not. Now, folks, how, how stubborn do you have to be when everybody around you is saying, let them go, and you won't let them go? Folks, the problem is it had become personal to him. It had become a pride issue to him. Please take this the right way. That's how a lot of people end up going to hell. That preacher's not going to tell me what to do. My mom's not going to tell me what to do. That Sunday school teacher's not going to tell me what to do. 
I appreciate that. Having said that, God is going to tell you what to do. But do you know that until that time comes, the way he talks to you is through invitation. Come. Come on now, amen. It's through invitation and through drawing. And it's not through, uh, if you will, some harsh thing. As, as a lot of people say, this is harsh. No, this was just showing you how hard men can be and still not be converted. You know, think about this. He eventually let them go. Did he not? But his heart wasn't in it. I want you to look, if you will, at Exodus chapter 14, please. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through 9, if you will. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp. Did I got the right one? I do. Let me see here. Ah, there we go. Okay. Speaking of the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before uh, Pinaroth, uh, between Migdal and the sea, and between uh, Baal-Zephon, before ye shall encamp by the sea. Now, let me just stop and tell you what the geography is saying right there. The children of Israel said, "Let my God, through Moses, let my people go. And finally, Pharaoh said, go. Okay, go. And so they took him out. And listen, he's a shepherd. He's not a warrior. And so he, took, he takes him out of Egypt. And if you ever want to see the map, he kind of goes up around what they call the Reed Sea. Okay, it's called something different today. But they go around the Reed Sea. And then they go down a coastline. And then they start coming up a coastline. And the problem is, is they wedge themselves up against a mountain range. And all they have is the Red Sea. Now, you guys know the end of the story. You have the Red Sea. You have the mountain range. And Pharaoh says, they're stuck. And we're soldiers, and we are going to go, and we are going to so destroy them. I'll get my revenge yet. <laughs> you remember what God said? He said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart that I might glorify my name. Amen. Can I say this? There are some people that get saved just to make other people happy. There are some people that literally, that, that maybe your testimony is, is you did it against your will. Can I just say this? Don't claim that as salvation if you did it against your will. I, I will tell you this. There are some people that grow up bitter against God because they feel like they were forced to take and to get saved. People put it on the Internet. It's, it disturbs me. And I'll just tell you this. If any of y'all have ever been forced, please, you, you don't go to heaven being forced to go to heaven. Let my people go. I let them go. No, you didn't. Not in your heart. Because as soon as you thought you could destroy them, you went after them to attack them, to kill all of them. No, actually it says in the next verse they were going to bring them back. They said, listen, if, if, they, if, they, if they get stuck like that, they're just so stupid, I'm going to take and I'm going to take and I'm going to bring them right back. Verse 5, look what the Bible says this. Did I read this already? It says, and it was told... Uh, the king of Egypt, that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this? Uh, why, uh, that we have let Israel go from serving us. <laughs> Y'all see that? They had second thoughts. They had, they had doubts. You know, thinking that they had made a tactical blunder, they thought they might get their way after all. Well, let me just say this. God knows the end from the beginning, and he just did that to fulfill, if you will, Scripture. You know, this helps us to understand the parable of the seed and the soils. You guys know the parable of the seed and the soils? 
In Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says the sower went forth to sow. The sower was sowing seed. The, uh, the sower was the son of man. That's Jesus. The seed was the word of God, the Bible. Come on now. And the Bible says that the soils were the hearts of men. And he says, some seed fell by the wayside on the sidewalk, and the birds of the air came and ate it, and, and, and nothing happened. Uh, they didn't get saved. Okay, you can understand that. They were too hard-hearted, just like Pharaoh. Amen. But the next two people is the big argument in, in Christian circles. Did the person who had the seed in the stony ground that sprung up for a moment, but when persecution came, it withered and it died, was that a saved person? Uh, or, or, or was it when, when it got cast amongst the, the thorns, amongst the weeds, and, 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 and when the cares of this world choked it out, and it withered and it died? Amen. But the Bible says that the, the last fell on good ground, and it, and it grew, and it produced fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. Amen. How many of those four soils produced salvation? And I will tell you, I have had long arguments with people who have this uh, uh, philosophy of what's called easy believism. Uh, all you got to do is pray this prayer. Well, please take this the right way. If you prayed that prayer under coercion, if you prayed that prayer because you thought you were going to get something out of it, if you prayed that prayer but didn't really want to be associated with Christians, the Bible describes those type of people as people who never bore fruit. And can I just say this? The fruit is salvation. Come on now. The fruit is salvation. My whole point is this. Did Pharaoh finally confess? Yeah, he finally did. He finally did exactly what God told him to do until he found a way out. Until he found a way out. Please take this the right way. How many of you all believe in eternal security? And folks, we are eternally secure, not because of anything we did, but we are eternally secure because when he gave us the gift, he gave us everlasting life. True? But let me just say this. You claim to be saved, and there just is no fruit. There's no change of heart. There's no change of desire. There's no change of habit. Come on now. There's no change of relationship. Well, can I just encourage you to think about that? Now listen, don't anybody get here think they're lost because of something I said. But I'll tell you this, if you have no confidence in your salvation, I would make your calling and election sure. That's what the Bible says. Why? Well, I'll tell you this, there's no greater torture in life than to be doubting your salvation. There is no greater torture than to worry, am I saved or am I not saved? And then try to rely on something you know doesn't save. And folks, Liberty Baptist Church cannot save you. Your Sunday school teacher cannot save you. You know who alone can save you? Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, the devils believe also and tremble. Can I tell you this? Pharaoh, at the end of this story, believed in God. Come on. He obeyed God until he didn't have to. Amen? And so, if you will... His mind was changed, but his heart was never changed. You all with me? And so you see here, uh, every knee shall bow. Notice next, if you will, though, because we're talking about end time things, and God's playing this thing all the way to the end. Go back to our text, if you will, Exodus chapter 11, and look at verse uh, 2. Look at verse 2. The Bible says this, 
It says, Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow his, of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Now, folks, these guys are getting ready to leave forever. How many of y'all think they're borrowing? <laughs> okay. Now, it says borrow, but it literally means this in another place. It talks about spoiling the Egyptians. What do you spoil? You spoil a defeated enemy. Okay? And so, if you will, spoiling is literally where you go and you take the valuables off of the army that you've just defeated. That's exactly what they're doing. Now, why did God do this? We'll talk about this here in a second. But if you will, but the Bible says God gave them favor amongst the Egyptians. And so they came and they said, give us your gold and give us your silver. And they took and they gave them gold and silver. And what did they use it for? You, 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 they took up an offering later and they took and they built the tabernacle and the temple. And listen, you guys ever seen pictures of Egypt? Do you think they, all, they had a lot of gold? Yeah, well, look at all the furniture in the, in the, in the tabernacle sometimes and think about how many tons of silver and gold, and it, it, it took to take in to build these things. It, it, it took a lot. You know how they got it? They got it because they went and they said, give us your gold and give us your silver. Why? God told us to get it from you. Now, I want you to think about this. You think, well, they're stealing. They're not stealing. They were slaves for 430 years. Can I ask you a question? What do slaves get paid? They don't get paid anything. And can I just tell you this? Payday someday in the first place here. If you refuse to believe, payday someday is judgment day. Amen? But can I tell you, as a believer, payday someday? You know, I said it's called spoiling of the Egyptians. Look, at, if you will, at Exodus chapter 3, and look at verse 22. Exodus chapter 3, verse 22. God's telling Moses, this is what's going to happen. It says, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and put them upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Y'all see that? You know what he's saying? He says, you're going to get paid for your years of slavery. That's literally what's going on here. Notice what the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 14. God, God had predicted this. I told you that all these things are foreshadowing and... and uh, Story development, well, it started back in Genesis chapter 14. Excuse me, Genesis chapter 15, verse 14. The Bible says there, it says, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out, say it with me, with great substance. You know what he said? He says, I'm going to make them slaves for 400 years, but I'm going to pay them. I'm going to make them slaves for 400 years and pay them. Can I tell you, ask you this question? Is the Christian life hard sometimes? Does God ask us to serve him while we're here? How many of y'all think he's going to forget to pay us? Now, folks, I'm not trying to take and to be carnal here. I'm trying to tell you that you could have a billion dollars in this world and live a life of ease, but if you lose it at the end of the day, you know what you have at the end of the day? Nothing. But if you're a Christian, you're going to have nothing now? Come on. You're going to have nothing now, but someday. Come on now, amen? And I, I don't, listen, I, I don't think we're really going to care about silver and gold in heaven. Anybody know why? <laughs> yeah, those are just building materials, right? I don't know about you, building materials, that's okay. You know, I'm not real impressed with building materials, but that's what we're going to get. You know, the Egyptians took uh, theirs in multitudes of ill-gotten gain. 
And I will tell you this, that in the world, the unbeliever, we, we get the benefits of, of God's creation and God's blessings and God's, listen, every good gift descends from the Father of lights. He pours his rain on the just and the unjust. And so, listen, any good thing that people enjoy in this world, it came from God. Amen. And people in this world hoard it. I, I, I haven't prepared the message, but I'm going to. Uh, God gave this to me just the other day. But uh, listen, there's all kinds of different harvests. We got to give him the first fruits, but he gives us the harvest. Amen. He says, give me the best, but you get the most. Amen. And so if you will, uh, anyhow, I get excited about that. Amen. I want you to think about this. God gave back in bulk and with the finest that can be received. How many of y'all think that when we get to heaven, we're going to think this is all we get? Folks, I don't think you're appreciating what's happening here. What do slaves have for possessions? And they just walked into their master's houses and said, give me your best. Come on. You haven't had money your whole life, and you're walking out of some lady's house. And by the way, they're not carrying chains. They're probably carrying bowls. and fr- Come on now, Amen. Look at this! <laughs> right, because God said, I'm going to take care of you. Folks, that had to have been mind-blowing to them. They're, we're walking, we're what? Folks, it was only a couple weeks before this, they couldn't afford straw. Amen. The final plague, we see when the knee shall bow, we see when the Lord rewards his own. And I wonder what Israel thought of the promises made to Abraham about this time. We're God's chosen people. We're going to inherit a mansion someday. True? How do I know this? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Get a hold of this for a second. We're the slaves. Right now. We're the slaves right now. And so when God says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, all things work together for and we're going through a hardship or a hard time and you think, God, why do we have to go through this? Well, ultimately, the answer is I'm not willing that any should perish, and I'm going to use your lives to save as many souls as I can. I believe that. I don't know if you believe that. I believe that. Okay? But sometimes we feel like, you know, other people have more. Other people have more, and we have to tithe on our part. I'm going to think about that. Amen? You guys, I just want to get real for a second here. Amen? And, and then we have to take that verse, all things work together for good. How many of you all think that hardship that we went through on earth that broke our heart so bad? We get to heaven and said, by the way, the biggest reward you get in heaven was due to that. It gives you a whole new perspective, doesn't it? The only problem is, is that we're still like the slaves in Egypt. We're not holding it yet. 
we still have to believe the promises of God. And I want you to think about this for a second. I got a feeling that some of those Egypt, uh, some of those Israelites have forgotten the promises of God until God fulfilled them and they walked out of that country spoiling the Egyptians. I'm sorry, I, I tried to get my mind around that. Can you imagine somebody who couldn't afford straw a couple of weeks ago is walking out with the treasures of Egypt? <laughs> the Bible tells us that we cannot comprehend the things God has prepared for us in heaven. Amen. It's the same level of comprehension, folks. It's the same level. See, the final plague is when every knee shall bow. The final plague is when God finally rewards his own. And then the final plague is when redemption comes. Anybody know what redemption means ultimately? Before we guess, let's just go to, if you will, Exodus chapter 13 where it talks about redemption. Because they are being redeemed right here, okay? But in Exodus chapter 13, I was just there and then turned it. Look at verse 13. Okay. The Bible says, And every firstling of the ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, meaning this, every unclean animal had to have a clean animal redeem it. Okay, That's what that's telling you. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. Why? Because the firstborn belonged to me. And if you're not going to redeem it, then it, then it has to die in, in honor to, to God. Okay? Then thou shalt break his neck, if, and it says, And of all the firstborn of men, among thy children shalt thou redeem. Okay, well, how'd you redeem them? You had to redeem them with the blood of a lamb. Okay. The Bible says, uh, in verse 14, it says, And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou say, shalt say unto him? By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand, meaning a sign. He says, and for frontless between thine eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. Now folks, you remember how he did that? Because they had to take and sacrifice a lamb and apply the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of the house. And the Bible says God would pass through, not an angel. The Bible says God would pass through. And when he saw the blood, he will pass over you. Y'all with me? And so if you will, God comes in and he says, every one of the firstborn belong to me. By the way, Israel was God's firstborn. You know who else was God's firstborn? Come on, there's two others. Adam and Jesus, okay? And so if you will, Adam kind of sold his stewardship to the devil, okay? And then he became too poor to buy it back, all right? And... Uh, the wages of sin is death. Well, he, he can never be sinless again. Okay? And so somebody had to buy it back for him. Okay? Well, think about this. God redeemed Israel that night 
with the shed blood of an innocent lamb, okay? And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Meaning your souls, your lives were purchased with the blood of a slain lamb, okay? Your lives were purchased with the blood of a slain lamb. And he says, make this a sign on your hand and between your eyes that you never forget. Don't you ever forget that I bought you back. Talking about the nation of Israel. But folks, he didn't just buy back Israel. He bought back all of mankind. Because Adam sold it. And Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, bought it back. I had somebody ask me the other day what John 19.30 meant. Would you turn there? John 19.30. John 19.30, you guys know it. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. By the way, it is finished is, is one word in the Greek. And it's a perfect tense, meaning it stands now in a finished condition forever. Okay? And so you have to answer the question, it what is it? Okay. Well, go to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25. And look at verse 25. Leviticus 25 and verse 25. And the Bible says, If thy brother be waxen poor... And has sold away some of his possession. If any of his kin come to redeem it or buy it back, okay, then sh- sh- uh, shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man hath none to redeem it, and himself be able to redeem it, then let him count the years. That's uh, uh, saying if you could buy it back yourself, folks. The point is this: is he saying when somebody becomes too poor to buy back their inheritance? Okay, because they've sold it because they were too poor. All right, that a near kinsman could come and buy it back for him. Okay, well, folks, Jesus Christ is our near kinsman. Because remember how Adam sold it, but Jesus is known as the second Adam. And by his life, when he is on the cross and he says, It is finished, you know what I think he's saying? I bought it back. I bought it back. And devil can't ever have it again. Because I bought it. And don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever forget it. Because you're going to call me Lord someday. And I'm going to reward those that are mine. But don't you ever forget that I had to send a lamb to buy you back. And they were to never forget it. You know who else should never forget it? We should never forget it. Y'all glad to be saved? Folks, you're saved because Jesus Christ bought your soul back. Amen. The Bible says we're the children of the God of this world. He bought your soul back. And whosoever shall call upon him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And God said this, I showed you this whole story with Pharaoh to realize you can harden yourself as much as you want to, but you are going to stand before me and confess that I am Lord. And you can do it when it's too late, Pharaoh, or you can do it now while there's still a chance, Israel. And friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, oh, would to God that you'd make today that day. Let's all stand. We're going to sing number 166. The invitation's from the Lord. And if, if God's speaking to you, let me encourage you not to noise out that still small voice.